otherwise, uh, you are missed. We, uh, um, I, I just don't like missing Sundays. I love being here. I love being here with the family. And um, so it is good to be back. And if you're visiting or haven't been here in a while, we've been in the middle of a series called uh, You Asked For It. Now, here, here's, the, here's the underlying uh, uh, thing or as it relates to this series. This is the underlying premise. Um, back in, back uh, in the Easter time frame, the spring, spring time frame of 2016, we decided that we're going to just let people ask questions. What are some biblical questions that you have or, Christians about, or questions about Christianity that you have that you would like answered in a series? And so this is the series you asked for. And I just want to pause before I move forward and acknowledge Mary Martha Rice. It's good to see you. Uh, longtime friend of Faith Chapel. So we are in a series, you asked for it, I think this is the fourth week or so, and today we're going to answer a question, we're going to seek to answer a question that uh, many of us have asked or been asked, and um, it, it's a deep question, and I, I hope to provide a, a really solid answer to you. The question is this, what happens to people who never have a chance to hear the gospel? What, what about that tribesman in the middle of nowhere? I mean, in a forest, you know, in, in, the, in the forest of Africa. The gospel never penetrates there. What happens to people like that? What happens to the people that are on, a, on an island? I mean, you could envision them. What happens to them when the gospel never gets to them? And uh, so, I don't know. How many either asked that question or thought about that question or have been asked that question? It's a pretty prominent question. Yeah. It's an important question. And, you know, so this is, these are the kind of questions we're trying to, trying to answer, kind of questions we sought out uh, when we made this series available. You asked for it. So, um, and there's some, underlying, there's some underlying things. There's lurking, some things lurking behind the scenes, some thoughts. Like, really, would God, would a good God... Uh, send somebody to hell just because they never heard? I mean, really, would, would, would God do that? Um, you know, and so we could ask it a, a few different ways. Is it fair for God to send somebody to hell who never heard the gospel? And so um, there's some things that we, we want to address. There's some there's some principles, some financial, excuse me, some financial, foundational <laughs> principles. I don't know where that came from. Some foundational principles that, that we need to understand about God. Because it is, it's, it's sort of, even when we think about that question, there's sort of a sense of a violation of fairness that goes on inside of us, isn't there? To be honest with you. Like, are you kidding? Really? You know? It, it's sort of like, I don't know, it sort of makes you feel like, Wow. Uh, could that really happen that way? Could it go down that way? So there's some foundational principles that we, we need to look at related to God. And there's three of them that I'm going to share with you. First of all, God loves lost people. God loves lost people. The Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his son. That world was lost. That world was separate from him. That, that world was in sin when he chose to go after mankind. 
There's a verse I'll share with you in 2 Peter 3.9. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why? Why is he patient? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So one of the foundational principles that we need to understand about God, especially in this area, when we begin to think about fairness and really lost people, is this God loves lost people. He does some amazing things, and we're going to look at them in a little bit, uh, to reach lost people. He's, he is a God of miracles. He's, he, he sets people up. I was set up to be found by God. I was personally set up to be found by God. And I bet you many of you in the room were set up uh, to be found by God. So with that foundational principle, God loves lost people, we move on. Uh, the second one is this. God is just. God is just. This means that, you know, when, when we talk about justice and God, it means that God will always do what is right. God will always do what is right. And, you know, maybe at times as we look in the Bible, we would say, well, m- what I would do in that situation and what I consider right, maybe not what God considers right. We just got to face that fact that God is not us. We are not God. His ways are different than ours. His thoughts are different than ours. But God is just. It says in Psalm 89, verse 14, it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. You see that? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of of your throne. So, so he clearly is a God who is just. We could see it uh, through revelation. Just and true are your ways. You know, uh, and, and we see time and time again, God is a just God. And I love this verse where Abraham, Abraham was, was pleading with God to spare, uh, I believe it was Sodom, when, when God sent the angels to say, We're gonna judge, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And his nephew Lot was in there. And, and Abraham is pleading with God, you know, w- would you destroy the city if there were 50 righteous people? And God's like, no, I, would, I wouldn't destroy the city if there were 50 righteous people. Well, h- how about 40, God? You know, h- how about 40? Just forgive me for being so, so forward in asking this question. But if there were 40 people, righteous people in that city, would you destroy it? God says no. And he goes down to 30 and 20. And, and we find out that, God made a way for Lot to escape uh, that, that judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And so this is, what, this is what Abraham says. I love this passage in Genesis 18, 25. It says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And, and here... This is, this is the background. Abraham is pleading for righteous people in a city, right? Abraham, we know, is a friend of God. And Abraham is saying, you know what? You are the judge of all the earth. We, I know you're going to do right. Far be it from you that you wouldn't do the right thing in this situation. So another foundational principle we need to understand about God is this. God is just. God is just. And here's the last one I'll share with you very quickly as it relates to these principles. And we need to understand this. Jesus is the only way. There's a couple of verses I'll share with you. There's, there's no other way. Muhammad is not the way. You know? Buddha is not the way to get to heaven. There is an exclusiveness in the scriptures 
Jesus is the way. I'll share with you uh, Acts 4.12. It says this. Salvation is found in no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's not many options out there. There's one way, right? Whether we like that or not, you know, uh, a lot of people have this tendency to believe there's many roads, there's many pathways that get to God. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches there's one way and one way only. In, in John 14, 6, very similarly, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So through these few principles, and there's others that we could talk about, we need to understand that God is passionate about lost people, and he's just, but the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. All right? Okay, so, so with that foundation, now let's go back to the question. The question is this. Uh, what happens to people that, uh, you know, living in remote areas, never hear the gospel, what happens to people that never heard about Jesus? And I want to share with you some good news. This is good news um, because it can, be, it can seem like a really heavy topic, but God, because he loves people, makes a way. He makes a way. It always comes down to our personal decision, just like it did with you and me and, and all people in this world. It always comes down to a personal decision, but God makes a way. So... Um, there's a few points and a few thoughts that I want to uh, use to address that question. What's ha- what happens to that tribesman, that lost tribesman, and, and that tribe in, in the middle of the forest that the, the gospel never got to? What, what happens in those situations? Um, and so here's, here's the first thought that I'll share with you. The first thought is this. God is not hard to find. God is not hard to find. Uh, so, and I'm going to share a scripture with you to sort of back this thought up, but listen to me, no matter where you are, with or without a Bible, with, with or without a pastor, with or without a church, the reality is you can find God. It's a reality. The Bible teaches us that, that we can find God. You don't need religious leaders. You don't need, uh, you know, you don't need any of these things because God has made himself apparent. He's made himself Apparent, And so, so what we find in scriptures is that God has given every person um, at every t- any time and any place two things to find out about him. And we're going to look in Romans chapter 1 um, to, to see what this has to say. But every person at every time and any place have been given two things to find out about them, find out about him. So... Uh, We see in verse 19 of Romans 1. We're going to start there. Verse 19 says this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Or another way to say it, another translation uses obvious. So so there's things that could be uh, made obvious or things that are made obvious to people about God. Because God has made it plain to them, it says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have, clearly, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. 
So, so God has, has made himself known. What, what we're reading here, what we read in other passages is this. God has made himself known through creation. The psalmist writes this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens, as you read Psalm 19, it goes on to say, you know, they, they, their voice goes forth. They're speaking about the greatness of God. The heavens are. You know, you know we could look at the mountains and the storms and, and uh, the animals that are around us and the beauty of uh, flowers and bushes and plants and trees. And, and there's something there, inside there, that says, I am real. I am alive. And, and I'll tell you, this happened, this happened in my life. This happened in my life. Even though I didn't really know God well, I knew there was a God. I, I didn't really go to church at all in my younger childhood. Um, and even when I did, I really didn't get out of that. Uh, you know, I would go to a friend's church here or, you know, whatever. I didn't really get anything out of it related to, you know, God being alive. But there's something inside of me. There was something inside of me that, that knew he was real. And uh, my, my friends, we, we all sort of had this, had this, uh, this conversation and this idea, you know what, God is real. And we, we did our best to honor him because he was real to us even though we didn't, we didn't really know him personally. And we're told here that, that as you look at creation, creation shouts about God, I am alive and I am well. Now, for a tribesman, for someone who's lost and, and doesn't have interaction or much interaction with people from outside... I, I'm betting, now this is me speaking, okay? I'm betting that it shouts a lot louder than uh, in our midst when we have all this stuff going on, people texting, Facebooking, you know, we've got, we've got Twitter, we've got, you know, TV, we've got all this stuff because a lot of these, uh, a lot of this digital or social media can drown out things. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's voice being drowned out by by the fact that we have, there's so many voices out there, so many competing voices that we have to face. But the reality is, for, for someone who's lost, someone who God loves, and someone who God wants to reach, my bet is that voice is going uh, to be pretty clear and good, pretty loud. So, so he gives us two things. The first is creation, right? The second, we're going to look in... Uh, we're going to look in Romans 2. The second thing is a conscience. Two things he gives us to say that he is alive and well and he's real. The first is creation. The second is a conscience. It says this, Paul's writing, uh, and we're sort of picking this up in the middle of a thought, but I want, I want you to gather what's being said here. Second, excuse me, Romans 2, verse 14. For when Gentiles do not have the law... They, they do instinctively the things of the law. These not having the law are a law to themselves. In, what, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. You see that? The work of the law is written in their hearts. Their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. And we see that there's been a law written, a moral code, a moral law uh, written on the hearts of mankind. To know the difference between right and wrong. To know the difference between what honors God and doesn't honor God. 
You know, you can go a myriad of places and see that even when there isn't a formal law or institution of law, there's a lot of people that, that have this thing that are they're obeying the law. You know, I'm not stealing. I'm not killing. You know, uh, I'm not doing vile things because of this law that has been written on their hearts. So the two things that God gives us to shout, I am alive, I am real, to reveal himself to people and this is called general revelation. It's sort of a general, it's a general way of God revealing himself to people through creation and through our conscience or the law that's, that's written on our hearts. Um, so, so based upon that, so say some tribesman in the middle of nowhere, you know, is convinced God is real, God is alive. And they begin to cry out to God or begin to say, you know what, I know, I, I know that you know, I have violated something. There's something inside of me that shows, shows that I violated some law. I don't know what the law is. Or I know that there's something out there that created all this amazingness around me. Uh, I believe, this is what I believe. I believe that God takes the next step. When people begin to recognize and realize God through general revelation, I believe that God takes the next step to make himself known. And so I'll get there in just a moment. But God, again, God is going after people. We got to think about this. These are people that were created in his image and in his likeness. They are sons and daughters that have been robbed from him. And, And believe me, he goes after lost people. He goes after lost people. So um, here's the bad news. This is the bad news. Most people reject the truth about God. The Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life and wide is the path that leads to destruction. Why? Because most people reject the offer that God makes. When, when, they, re- when, when they receive this general revelation that there is a God, that I have a conscience, most people reject that. And I'll show you in Romans 1, verse 21. This is sort of a continuation of what we started with. It says this. For although they knew God. Do you see that? They knew God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In essence, through a revelation of God, through this general revelation that I talked about, uh, God made himself known. They knew him. They knew about him. They knew his ways as it relates to this conscience and the law written on their hearts. Even though they knew that, they've chosen another path. And we see this. We see this throughout the scriptures. People either choose God or, or choose not to choose God. You know? They, they choose to worship God, or even in the Old Testament, we see that they were worshiping, you know, uh, they were worshiping idols made of wood or stone or people. And the reality is today, it's no different. You know, we, we, we were created to worship something. We were created to worship God, but sometimes with our hearts being darkened, we choose to worship something else. We worship others. We worship, uh, you know, material things or possessions or whatever. And so the reality and the sad thing is this, that most people reject the truth about God. So although they may have known uh, the reality of God, they knew that God was real, 
uh, they didn't submit their lives to him. They didn't embrace him. They didn't pursue him. They didn't want uh, to know him. And so, again, we do the same thing today. There's many people that would acknowledge the reality of God but choose a different lifestyle. There's people that have said among us that, you know, we were, you know, very close with that today aren't necessarily walking with God because they've chosen something else, you know? Um, and it's up to, up to us to love them and connect with them and reach out to them and say, this way is, you know, tell them, this way is better. God is real and alive. He's a hope giver. He's, he restores broken hearts. Uh, but it's unfortunate. Most people reject the truth about God. Um, but he, here's the good news. Those who seek him will find him. Those who seek him will find him. So if you seek God out, God will find you. You will be found. Uh, you know, God, again, is, is that father, that, that, that father with fierce love. You know, he, he, he's the one who will chase you down, hunt you down. He is the bridegroom in, in this situation, you know. Uh, he's going to go after his bride. He's going to go after his sons and daughters with fierce love. So, so for those who seek him, uh, they will find him. They will find him. And we see scriptures all over the place. We see Jeremiah 29, 13. I'm not going to post it, but, uh, you know, he says, those who seek me will find me when they seek me with all their heart, right? And, and so those who respond to that general revelation of the reality of God, I know there's a God out there. I don't understand him. I don't know him. I don't know much about him. I don't have scriptures. No one's ever talked to me about him, but I just know in my heart of hearts, he's real. He's real. And then that conscience thing. For me and my friends, you know, even though we didn't know God or walk with him, we had this conscience about how we acted and how we uh, treated one another and how we talked about God. I mean, we made this pact. Again, I mean, we were far from God. We weren't Christians in any way, shape, or, or, or means. But the reality is we started making these pacts like, listen, don't, we're not going to take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, you know, we're going to do these things that are right. I mean, obviously, we, we, we didn't go all the way, but we started making pacts and agreements with each other about how we were going to live a life apart from God. I, it was weird. Like, we didn't know God, but we wanted to honor God. We, we didn't know what was right and wrong uh, from the sense of religion, but we started making agreements as to how we could live to be better people. And obviously, after Christ comes in, then he begins to reveal himself, and it's our love. It's our love for him. You know, we love him because he first loved us. And when you love somebody, you want to live for them. You, you want to honor them. You want to you you do the things that are right. In that relationship. So those who seek him will find him. So, so here's, here's my take on this whole thing. The, the person that has never heard about God. The person that's in you know, the, the tribe somewhere in, in the forest out in the middle of nowhere. The missionaries never got to. Uh, you know, when that person begins to respond to the revelation that God has made available to them. God finds them. I'm going to share with you uh, an example of that and some stories of that now. Um, you know, in, in the Old Testament, we see, we see God revealing himself because, you know, we, we can't forget that he is a supernatural God. You know, he revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. You know, he, he revealed himself 
to uh, Abraham. He came and sat alongside, uh, alongside of him by sending three messengers, which were angels. It says the Lord, the angel of the Lord sat beside Abraham. Um, you, you know, and we see over and over again uh, the Lord revealing himself to people. Jacob was, was leaving his family and going to his uncle Laban's house. And uh, he, lied himself, he lied his head down and he had this dream in the middle of the night um, about angels ascending and descending to heaven. And the Lord spoke to him in the midst of that dream. See, God reveals himself to people. Well, how about, you know, those are Old Testament popular figures. You know, uh, how about Saul? Saul is like this fierce opponent of Christianity and Jesus Christ. And Saul, you know, Saul is on his way to persecute more Christians. And, and this great, this bright light uh, appears to him on the road to Damascus. And this bright light, out of this bright light, this voice came. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He has this conversation with this bright light. And, and I mean, it just radically changed his life. See, those who seek God will find him. And God goes after people. Um, I, I've heard so many stories about Muslims in, in foreign lands. And uh, they're having dreams and visions because the gospel isn't penetrating their nation. I, I copied an article. I just, excuse me, a paragraph. I, I want to read to you. It says this, Muslims are claiming that without reading the Bible, without anyone trying to share the gospel with them, without the presence of any priest or knowing any Christians, without attending or even seeing any churches, more and more of them are having visions and dreams of Jesus calling for them. I, I heard one statistic, and you always got to be careful of statistics. And, and so I just, I just profess that this couldn't, may not be exactly accurate, but it just gives us a flavor of what's going on. I heard one statistic that said about 7 million Muslims are coming to Christ each year. I mean, even if it was close to that, that would be absolutely astounding, would it not? Because God, listen to me, God goes after people. God is, God is passionate about lost people. You know, he, he cares about lost people. I want to share with you in, in the New Testament an example of this. In Acts chapter 10, I'm going to read a few verses to set the stage uh, for this story. In Acts chapter 10, we find a man, uh, this is a story about a man named Cornelius. And this is a guy that, that uh, had responded to some general revelation about the reality of God. But he didn't know God through Jesus Christ. Remember I told you early on that Jesus is the way. He's the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way. So, so here's what happens in Cornelius' life. I'll read a few verses and then share the rest. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. So he saw an angel. That, obviously, that's going to strike up a little bit of fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who was called Peter. 
uh, and the story happens that at the same time, Peter's on this rooftop, and Peter's, you know, just spending time in the presence of the Lord. All of a sudden, he has a vision. The same time that this angel is speaking to Cornelius, and uh, Peter's having this vision, this sheets lowered down, and all these animals, unclean animals, and, and the Lord says, Peter, take and eat. And Peter's like, you know, based upon his religious tradition, he's like, never, Lord. I would never eat an unclean animal. An unclean animal has never touched my, my lips. And so again and again, we see the Lord just encouraging him, take and eat. And then all of a sudden, the sheet, uh, the, the sheet went away. And it was God communicating to him that what I have called clean, don't call unclean anymore. And, and he said, there's going to be a couple men that are knocking on the door of the house that you're staying in, Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, I want you to go with them. And these two men that came from Cornelius brought Peter back to Cornelius. And what happened then was Peter begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, was, this Cornelius guy was a seeker. He was a God-fearing man. He didn't know Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Peter's response or somehow him receiving the gospel, he would have been lost forever. But you see how gracious God is that he would send someone to Cornelius. And the Bible says that he and his household were saved. And there was a powerful, this powerful exchange from heaven to earth from, for someone who was a God seeker that did not know the power to save uh, because of Jesus, Jesus and his name. And, and we see this happen time and time again. There's missionary stories where missionaries go to these remote places, no, you know, never been penetrated before, and they find uh, tribes and clans of people that are already all saved. They're saved. Now, I can't say that happens everywhere all the time, but what I am saying is this. People who respond to God's general revelation, God makes a way for the next wave of revelation or special revelation to happen, whether it be by dreams or visions or people bringing Bibles or missionaries coming. Just God has a way of doing uh, these supernatural things. It's, it's amazing. So, so no person can ever say, you never told me. No person can stand before God and say, you never told me because God will say, I told you. I told you, I, you know, I revealed myself to you and you didn't respond. And so really it comes down always to the response. God has made himself known. So when we ask that question, you know, uh, will God condemn the innocent tribesmen? Will, will God condemn that innocent person who has never heard the name of Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. No, because there are no innocent tribesmen. You get that? God, God is in the process of revealing himself to people. He is that good. And when we ask that question, it carries the connotation, is God really good? Would he let... Would he let someone die apart from ever hearing or knowing or the opportunity to experience God? He is that good that he has, he has made a way for people to know him. We, we see this example in Paul. Paul is traveling. He's on a missionary trip and Timothy's with him. Actually, he just picked up Timothy. And, um, and the, the spirit blocks them from going into the area that they had planned on going. And at night, he has this dream. And there's this guy from Macedonia calling him, come, please help. Come, please help. 
And, and we, don't, we don't know that that was a literal man as much as God have, uh, finding a way to communicate to Peter that that was a region that needed the gospel being brought to them. But, but I believe that in that place there were people that had received this revelation of God that were crying out to God to say, we need more. Or God saying, I've got to bring them this next wave of revelation of who I am. They've got to hear about Jesus Christ. So I'll finish with these thoughts. I'll finish with these thoughts because now we begin to see that God has put a hunger in each and every one of us. Some of us accept and respond to that hunger. Some of us turn away from that. But he has revealed himself. Here's the last thought as it relates to uh, people and hearing the gospel. We play a role in people reaching, uh, or reaching people. We, we play a role in reaching lost people. We have a role to play. We have a role to play. You know, I, I mean, the reality is this. If you are really that concerned about the, the innocent tribesmen that never hears the gospel, maybe God puts something on your heart not to start to judge God and wave your hand at God, your fist at God because you're upset with him, but maybe you put it on your heart to do something about that lost tribesman that never heard the gospel. You, you see, I, I mean, it, it's how we respond to what, uh, what God is doing because the most senseless thing, the most senseless thing that we could do is not respond to the gospel ourselves because we're upset with God. The most senseless thing that we could do is not become a disciple and do something about uh, lost people in our world because we rub shoulders with them every day. You, you know what I mean? I mean, if we're that concerned, there's got to be something in our heart that would rise up to say, I can make a difference. You know, and, and to be honest with you, the church of Jesus Christ has lost an urgency to reach lost people. There, there's, you know, we, there's a complacency that's settled, settled in, an apathy, you know, it's just like, and we don't think this way, but this is what, what our actions communicate, you know? I'm good to go. I'm busy. I'm too busy, you know? I've got things going on in my life. I'm a mess. How can I help somebody else, you know? I've got emotional things going on, financial things, you know? I, I, you know, just life is too hard, and we begin to become intro. Intro, introspective and, and focused inwardly as, a be, as opposed to caring uh, for those around us. And so we play a role in reaching lost people. And God, would you give us back that urgency? Would you, would you help us um, to have the kind of urgency that is on your heart for hurting and lost people? Romans ten thirteen says this. And I'll finish with this passage here. Romans 10, 13, Paul says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how could they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how could they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, and here's the takeaway I want us to get from that, that one passage in Romans 10. The reality is the only way to be saved is to call on Christ's name. The only way to be saved is to call on Christ's name. And the only way to call on Christ's name is to believe the gospel. And the only way to believe the gospel is to hear the gospel. Right? So lost people have to hear the gospel. 
And the only way to hear the gospel is to be told the gospel. Listen to me. There's, there's a lost and dying world out there. And so, you know, we, we can ask the question, and that's a great question. It's a great question. What about the people that never hear the gospel? You see, God's got that covered. But the reality is, that's the general revelation of who he is through his creation and through the conscience or the moral law that he's put inside of us. We play a role in the next wave of that revelation, the special revelation. You know, we may be the one that brings the word of God. We may be one that brings the gospel and we share it to people. You know, I always knew there was a God. I just never understood him. I always, I always believed there was a God, but I just, I just, I don't know anything else about him. We play that role. We play that role. And God has, God has raised us up, people like you and me, to bring the kingdom gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, into people's lives so that they will forever be changed. Forever be changed. Amen. There's, there's hope here. There's hope in this message. Because you know what? Someone brought the message to us. Right? And now, and now we're called to step in line and bring it to people. Would you stand to your feet? I want to invite you to just close your eyes for a moment. The reality is I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking today. And before, before people start packing up and grabbing their bags and all this stuff, this, this is a holy moment. Let's, let's, just, let's just honor this moment for a second. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit's speaking today. And the beauty of it is he doesn't come to pound you down and beat you up. He doesn't come, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, condemn you. But he does come to challenge each and every one of us. And I believe he's speaking. Maybe, he lays, maybe he'll lay someone on your, somebody on your heart, a face, a name. Or, or maybe it'll just be a personal challenge related to some actions that each and every one of us need to take. So let's just give him like 30 seconds and... And uh, just, Lord, we just ask you to speak. What are you saying? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to do, Lord? How do you want me to make a difference? We give you glory. We honor you today, God. We want to bring glory to your name, God. We commit ourselves to you, fresh, new, again. We say that you are Lord, you're Lord of our lives, you're Lord of my life. Lord, and I want to fulfill, we want to fulfill the purpose that you put us on this earth for. Lord, we know you love lost people. Help us, Lord, to love lost people like you do. We give you praise and glory. And and Lord, Father, if there's anyone, and I'm just speaking to you, if you're here today and you personally haven't given your life to Jesus, or maybe, you know, you did some time ago and some things happened and you're just not in a place where you say, I'm living for God. And you you want to renew that relationship with God. It's as simple as this. And I just want to ask everyone to pray with me as we we just uh, recommit ourselves to God and his ways. Would you pray with me? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you... You know, if you sort of slid backwards in your relationship with him, uh, would you pray with me or consider praying? And for the rest of the body, let's just pray together. Let's just join together. Lord Jesus, I invite you in to my life, 
to have your way. Fill me with your spirit. Uh, Wipe away all my sins. Help me to accomplish your will. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted your life, I would just so appreciate it if you would take a minute and stop by and let me know that. But for the rest of you, hey, we've got a mission to accomplish, a mission to fulfill, and may the Lord just burn on your heart people that are lost apart from him. We love you so much. Have a great day.